Hi and welcome to the Girl Next Door podcast. I'm your host Renee Bennett and this is a leadership podcast for ordinary girls compelled to lead an extraordinary life. Make sure you come and find me on social media, girlnextdoor.podcast. Well, it is all happening in the Bennett household today. I've got Georgia cooking dinner, which is so nice. I thought I'd sneak away and record the podcast for this week. But hey, if you hear some noise, popping, banging, hissing, it's just her cooking. <laughs> I'll have to let you know next week what I give her out of 10. Um, anyway, welcome guys. It's Renee here. Welcome to episode 27 of Girl Next Door podcast. Um, I, as we listen to this, I'm actually just over the Queensland border doing a wedding. I'm the celebrant. I'm officiating the wedding for one of our beautiful girls, Poppy, who's marrying Dan. So shout out to you guys. Such a wonderful day and such an honor to be a part of that. Love it when I see my girls doing so well and choosing a great partner for life. So there you go. All right. So I have got so much to fit into today. I used to think, how am I going to feel half an hour? Now I'm like half an hour is not long enough. Thank you for all the um, the feedback I got again last week. Gosh, you guys liked last week. I got a lot of reshares and uh, I got a lot of messages and texts going, oh my gosh, preach. Um, I was talking about the second part about honor and if we're going to question authority, what does the Bible say about it? And about not just having opinions, but following it up with action and being willing to take the consequences. Talked a little bit about climate change. So yeah, go back and listen to that. But today I want to talk about friendships. I have been asked this question a lot. I've had a lot of different girls write into me and ask me to address this. I'm going to try and squeeze a lot in today. If I don't get through it all, that's fine. Maybe I will do it in a second podcast. Um, But one of the big things that people struggle with is friendship dramas and how do we deal with that? I also want to talk about can we have boys as friends or if we're a guy, can we have girls as friends and what happens once we, you know, if we decide that we like each other and we start dating, can we go back to being friends? I'm going to weigh in on that. I want to talk about how to deal with youth group friendship drama. I want to talk about cliques. I want to talk about divine friendships, how to parent our kids to choose good friends. And then at the end, I'm going to answer a listener question who wrote in this week and it fitted in perfectly. A really good question that I have never been asked before about how vulnerable do you be when you're in ministry with the other people you work with, like vulnerability versus professionalism. I thought that was a fantastic thought. uh, And so I want to weigh in on that. Um, so let's start off, uh, with the whole boyfriend. When I say boyfriend, I'm talking friend in inverted commas. Can we have a friend who is a boy or a friend if we're a boy who is a girl? All right. First, let me say the best way to live your life before you find a partner is to have a group of friends who hang hang out together of mixed friendships. Uh, This is actually an interesting one. Um, When we first started public youth, everyone, and I remember chatting with Isaiah about this, everyone just assumed, oh, life groups should be, uh, you should just have girl life groups and boy life groups. And I remember saying, Izzy, no, we're going to have mixed. And he looked at me like, what? You're going to have mixed life groups? And I'm like, yes, because hello, how better to get 
guys and girls to come along to your life groups than when you mix them because they love being together. They love hanging out together. Girls love being where the boys are. The boys love being where the girls are. So let's use that to our advantage and get them to come along to mix life groups. Anyway, that one was for free. I didn't intend on saying that. Um, but the best way to find a partner in life is to have a great group of friends of guys and girls who hang out together. That is really healthy and really good. However, there is this special line in life that I call the friendship line. And once you cross it, it's very, very difficult to go back. What do I mean by that? So if you're friends with someone and you decide, actually, we want to be more than friends and we like each other. And we've decided that, you know what, we're just going to explore that a little bit. And you start talking about your feelings for each other and how you like one another. And perhaps you go out on a date and then maybe he gives you a kiss or two. And then you decide, oh, okay, this feels really weird. Let's just go back to being friends. That is the crossing of the friendship line. And if you decide, oh, no, we're just going to go back to being friends, it is actually very, very difficult to go back to just being friends after you've had a bit of a relationship with someone. Now, I remember my pastor telling me this years ago, Renee, you know, if you're going to date so-and-so, remember, you're crossing the friendship line. There's no going back. And I remember thinking, that's rubbish. Of course, we can go back to just being friends. But let me prove my point to you that it's very now on rare occasions. Maybe someone's going to tell me here that you dated someone and you went back to being friends. Good luck with you to you with that. But let me just say, let me give you an example. Johnny and Mary are besties. They become a little more than besties. They do a little go out, date, kiss, blah, blah. Then decide, oh no, we're just going to go back to being friends. And they go back to being friends again. Mary then decides, oh, I'm going to date Davo. I've just met Davo. I'm going to date Davo. Do you think that Davo is going to want Mary being best friends with Johnny? Really? You think think Davo is going to be happy about that? Sure. Go be best friends with your ex-boyfriend. I don't think so. (laughs) So when I first said this to Georgia, there's a friendship line. And when you cross it, there's no going back. She's like, yeah, mom, that's not true. I gave her this example. She's like, oh, yeah, that's probably true. So just be prepared for that. So absolutely be friends with guys. If you're a guy, be friends with girls. But just be aware once you cross that line, it's not impossible to come back from it, but it is very difficult particularly once you start dating someone else. So if you want to ruin a good friendship, just date them. (laughs) All right, next thing I want to chat about is this whole friendship drama that I get asked about a lot. And it really, I've probably waited to talk about this because I haven't really had much friendship drama in my life and neither of my kids. But then I thought, okay, there's probably a reason for that. We've actually been intentional about teaching our kids not to be involved in friendship drama. So I wanted to give you some of the bits of advice that I've given them over the years. And let me tell you, if you're a parent listening, this actually starts when they're in primary school. What I did with my kids was I taught them what manipulation looked like. I taught them when a friend was being mean to them, more often than not, That friend was trying to manipulate them to get their way. And that's how the friendship drama began. Think of any friendship drama that you've been in. 
it's usually the person causing the drama is manipulating their friend or their friendship group to try and get their way on something. So let me say this about friendship drama. Firstly, don't be the drama girl yourself. And that's probably one of the reasons that I I haven't had much drama and Georgia hasn't had much drama is we're not the drama girl. And I always used to say that to Georgia. Don't be the person who creates the drama. Don't be the moody girl, the gossip girl, the nasty girl, the bossy girl. Don't be the starter of the fires or the starter of the drama to start with. However, sometimes, even if you're not a drama girl, you still can be very often at the receiving end because girls are pretty good at manipulation and you get a group of girls together, it's probably inevitable that at some stage there will be some drama. I was chatting to a girl just last week or the week before, beautiful girl in our church, raised by a beautiful family. She is not a drama girl, but she has been at the butt end of some really horrible friendship drama, which actually makes me really cross for her because she's such a good girl. And so we chatted about this. I chatted with her and this is what I used to teach my kids. I always told Georgia, don't put all your eggs in one friendship basket. In other words, don't just have one set of friends, okay? Because be friends with everyone. And and I taught them this from primary school. So then by the time they got to high school, they were used to doing this. Be friends with everyone in the class. Be friends with lots of different people and have multiple options. So if there is drama that arises in your friendship group, okay, it's normal to have a bit of drama but I'm talking drama that goes beyond and it lasts beyond a day and it starts to affect you, then you've got another option of other people to hang out with. And you don't have to go saying to them, oh, I'm not going to hang out with you guys. I'm going to go hang out with my group of friends over there. I always said to my kids, you just minimize the drama yourself by quietly and slowly withdrawing away from that group over a few weeks and go and hang around with the other people. You know, if you don't treat people like that and you don't be a stirrer of the drama, then you can equally expect not to be treated like that. And I'd rather, I literally would say this to my kids, I would rather you have no friends or one friend at school than to be involved with all the drama girls. Because if you are involved in the drama girls, you will inherently become or get labeled as, even if you're not, you are a part of that drama group. People will see you as one of the drama girls. Plus, they make your life awful. So I would rather you hang around on your own. I know that sounds really difficult and it takes a lot of courage or hang around with one person or, I don't know, go to the library, go do something else, then then allow yourself to keep being treated that way. Another thing that I've always said, and this is something that I really taught. um, I remember Isaiah and I've had big chats about this with our youth group. I say this is this is one of my probably biggest sayings around drama starve the oxygen out of drama okay so when I say that think about a candle a candle when you light it that flame needs oxygen to keep the flame alight however if you take away the oxygen you take away the flame that's why I say starve the oxygen out of drama in other words don't react Don't give them oxygen to keep their drama going. So if there's drama in your group or drama directed toward you, starve the oxygen out of that drama by not giving it any airtime. 
there were probably two occasions that I can remember when the drama wouldn't stop um, in high school. Georgia had two two occasions. One would have been maybe maybe year nine, and then there was one horrible friend, actually, to be quite honest, that she had in year twelve, um, who caused a lot of drama. And if you know Georgia, she is just not the drama girl at all. So I said to Georgia, okay. If it's still going, even after you've walked away and you've not reacted and you've tried to choose other other friends, if all of that has not worked, you need to go to a trusted adult in your life. So Georgia would come, obviously came to me and I'm not a parent that goes in and rescues straight away. I think our kids should work out their issues for themselves. Obviously, I gave her advice and told her what to do, but when that still didn't work and these girls were we're being um, unreasonable and nasty. You need to have an adult to come in and protect you. That's what I said to the other girl I was talking to the other week. You need, that's what the adults in your life are for. That's what the other people, I am like, I will watch my kids go through stuff and try and help them to deal with it. But there comes a point where if you don't stop, you raise the mama bear in me and I will go. And if you can't, like Georgia On the first occasion, Georgia actually went and talked to the teacher herself about it. And the teachers who adored her, they dealt with it immediately. On the second occasion, I needed to get involved because in that case, the the deputy actually didn't really do his, what I consider to be his job properly, listen to the other girl's mom who was jumping up and down. Um, And so I then came, came in on that situation. So, but, but I guarantee that when you have the reputation of not being the drama girl, if you go and get help from an adult, like a a trusted adult in your life or a teacher or someone else, they will bend over backward to help you. All right. What about in youth groups? What do you do if there's drama in youth groups? Again, gosh, I I look back and I, I, there really has been minimal drama in, in the youth group that Cameron and I ran. Uh, back in Adelaide. And again, like I said, I would say to Isaiah, any any drama in youth ministries, you minimize it. You starve the oxygen out of the drama. You make it a part of the culture that that's not what we do here. So if the drama is amongst the youth leaders, then that needs to be dealt with. And especially because the youth leaders are the example. So to me, it's actually unacceptable to have drama amongst amongst youth leaders. And if there are issues, deal with them quickly, get them in a room, have an honest conversation because we need to be the example to our young people. The second thing is this, the youth group should be the safest space for our kids to come to, okay? I've always taught my kids, your best friends, your closest friends should come from our your youth group. And the youth group, you know, if kids have trouble at home or if they're having trouble at school, the youth group needs to be the safe space. And youth pastors and leaders, we need to fight to keep it that way. How do we do that? The best way to minimize it is not to feed it. So for starters, we don't give it too much attention. Okay, so we don't, you know, I I know some leaders that they get all involved and they talk to this one and then they talk to that one and then they ask every week, how's it going? And it just, it just goes on and on and on. But if someone is carrying on, seeking attention, being a drama queen, notice this, they always do it while other people are watching. They'll always pull other people into their drama. 
So the best way to deal with that is find who the ringleader is, find the drama girl and get the other people to literally move away. So if they're pulling other people in, you you um, try and distance them from talking to those other people. If they come to you with a issue, I literally would tell the other girls to go, go okay, so who, who's the main drama between everyone else? Walk away, go away. We're not discussing it with everyone here because it's not so fun being a drama queen on your own. So minimize the people around them. And then the next thing I want to say is this, you will get what you go for in your youth ministry. So we made it a value that we do not have drama in our youth ministry. That's not who we are. And the way that you shape your culture is in a couple of ways. Firstly, it's by the things you say. And the other way to shape culture is by the things that you allow or don't allow. So when you're not allowing drama amongst the youth team, that is setting the culture that we don't do drama here. When you don't feed and allow drama amongst groups of girls in the youth ministry, but you minimize it, get everyone away that's not not a part of it, just pull in the one or two ringleaders and deal with them, you are saying we don't accept drama here. So with the young people, if a friendship arises, sorry, if a friendship issue arises, deal with it quietly and quickly and say to them, girls, this is not who we are. Do you know what, Mary? This is not who you are. Come on, you're better than this. And encourage the reconciliation between them. And leaders have so much influence over their young people. It's really not that hard to do. So there you go. So that's boyfriends. That's friendship drama. I hope that's helped. The next thing that I want to talk about that I'm a huge believer in, and this is for every age group, is divine friendships. Now, that sounds really super spiritual of me, but I am a huge believer that God, he cares about this area of your life, just like he cares about every area of your life. And I believe that God will bring the right friends around us at the right time. I included God in my friendships like I did every other area. I believe that God would put will put people alongside of you to do life with. Time and time again, I look back at my life and I've never served God alone. God's always put amazing people around me, friends to do my to work out my God call with. There is nothing better than the friends that you make while serving alongside one another. You know, Cameron and I have got a handful of friends who are our very, very best friends and have been for over 20 years. And I'm telling you girls, I was the shy girl growing up. I was the girl that my mom said, you're just like me. You don't make friends easily. I didn't really have friends through primary school. I had one. And if she was away, I had no one to play with. I had no friends in high school because I believed what my mum said. Then all of a sudden, I start serving God in my church. I had so many friends. And let me tell you, when you serve God in the trenches with some with other people, those friendships go deep. They're what I call the divine friendships. And the people that Cameron and I served God with 20 years ago are our best friends to this day. I liken it to the camaraderie that soldiers must have when they fight battles together. 
There's, there's a sharing of experiences and moments and memories that only you share and understand together. And honestly, I consider myself just one of the most blessed people in the world that I've got just a couple of girlfriends and um, Cameron actually is equally as close with all of their husbands. And it is it is the biggest, honestly, I, I know that I never do life alone. I know that all it takes is one call to one of these girls and they're there for me in a moment. And it's because we fought in the trenches together. And when I say the trenches, I mean the trenches of ministry. And I don't mean paid ministry, by the way. I mean we volunteered and served God together and worked out our God call together. And you know what? We were at each other's weddings. We were all there for each other when we had our kids. And do you know, we don't live in the same states now. Well, two of them do. There's one other couple that live here in Queensland. Our other friends live in other states. And our friendship is just as close. They are the kind of friends I pray for for you to have. But let me backtrack to when I was 17. I remember feeling really lonely and I asked, I actually remember praying and asking God, could he please bring some good friends into my life? But I knew that I wasn't just looking for anyone because I understood Show me your friends and I'll show you your future. We become like who we hang around. I didn't just want anyone to be friends. Let me tell you, our friends will either propel us toward our God call or they will take us away. And I knew that if I had friends that didn't hold the same values that I did, that didn't love God like I did, that didn't want to serve God like I wanted to, I knew that I would potentially walk away from my God call. And I was looking for friends who I knew had the same values, loved God like I did, wanted to serve God like I did so that we could move together in the same direction. That is what I was looking for. That is what I was believing for. And that is what I prayed for. And I remember saying to God, I would rather be lonely and have no friends and I'll wait for you to bring along the right friends. You know, it wasn't long after that that I became a youth leader. And after a few years, I looked back and I had literally so many close friends. I It was a surprise to me. I was like, I'm not that girl anymore. I'm, You know, when you get told things when you're a kid and you really believe them, I believed I was the lonely girl that didn't make friends like, like my mom. And all of a sudden I had so many friends. It was almost hard for me to believe I'm the girl who has lots of friends. I'm the girl who people want to be friends with. And why not? Because I was kind to people. Okay, that was just a slight little break there because Georgia brought my dinner in. Thanks, G. I think she's walked away. It's really good. I give her 10 out of 10. She did these yummy burgers and homemade chips. There you go. Healthy, healthy meal-ish, kind of. So yeah, all of a sudden I became the friend that... uh, the, the person, the girl that people wanted to be friends with. And that blessed me. All right, let's talk about clicks. I would say all of you would have experienced um, a click, a group of friends who, you know, maybe you were, maybe you were a part of the click, or maybe you've grown up feeling like you were always on the outside of the click. I always have felt like I was on the outside of a click. Um, Even I remember when I was dating Cameron and I remember asking him quite a few times, why did you pick me again? Why did you pick me again? Because I wasn't kind of one of the cool popular girls that was in that 
in that click. So I want to talk about clicks because I understand, I know how it feels like. Um, so after a few years of serving in church, I, I do remember feeling like there was this kind of click in our church. And I reckon, I reckon everyone would say that, oh, there's a click in our church, right? But I want to say this about clicks. This is what I've learned. When I think I see a click or when you think you see a click, those people in the click don't think that they're having a click. They're, they're just really good friends, unless they really are snobs and they're being completely exclusive. I'm not okay with that. But most of the time, people don't even know they're part of a click. Um, it actually says more about us and our insecurity. And uh, that's an ouch. That, that is hard to take. But I, I want to I tell you that God had to do something on the inside of me because what I considered to be the click wasn't really a click. It was my insecurity and my rejection. So, but I remember there was this couple of girls that would hang together and they used to laugh out loud really loudly and be really ridiculous and funny. I remember one of them would always slap her leg and, oh, you're so funny. And they would just giggle all the time. And I could see a few other people scrambling to try and be friends with them. And I'm not wired that way. I am not someone that finds everything hilarious. I'm quite melancholy. I'm quite, I'm actually fairly quiet. I'm quite serious. And I remember even in my early marriage years saying to Cameron, I'm not part of that clique. And I remember him always saying there, there's not a clique, babe. That's just how you're seeing it. And I began to realize it's more about me and how I'm feeling. And, um, you know, these girls never in a million years would have known that I felt left out because in their eyes, I was their friend. So, it was about me acknowledging that I had a rejection issue and that God needed to deal with that. And the other thing was I had to learn to be okay to be myself and to be okay with that also. So my best friend now and I became quite close around that time because she was a bit quieter like me. So we kind of found that we gravitated toward one another. It was all right for me not to be the laughing out loud girl, the funny girl. You you can be the quiet girl and feel okay about that and be a part of that friendship group because seriously if everyone was laughing and finding everything hilarious it would be frustrating we need the quiet people in the groups but anyway that's how I became friends with my best friend now we found we gravitated toward one another because we were the kind of the more the quieter girls I don't even remember it really being intentional I just looked back and we became super close and then Cameron came along and her husband and him became super close. And so now they're honestly more like family than friends to this day. And 20 years later, we're still friends. And their little girl when she was born was the first baby that Cameron ever held. I remember he was so nervous. He actually thought he was going to drop her. Uh, They were at our wedding. They helped us buy our first house. I was there when um, they were there for all my kids being born. And one of the hardest things ever was saying goodbye to them when we moved here to Queensland. The beautiful thing is now all of our kids are close friends and they all see each other at conferences. And I know every now and then I'm like, oh, I hope people don't think they're this exclusive friendship group. But then I think, you know what? Too bad because these kids have all grown up together and they used to be in the same state. And they all sacrificed their friendships to follow their parents' call to ministry. Each one of us ended up in a different state. So the the kids sacrificed. So if they get together and they hang out together and make beautiful new memories at conferences, 
I'm all for that because I want them to have what I've had, which is really close friends. Um, All right. So let me say a couple of other things. Who you do life with is more important than where you travel to. So who you journey with is more important than where you where you journey to. The seasons in your life will change. You might move states. You might change jobs. God can call you anywhere. Where you are and what you do can change according to the season you're in. It can change in a moment. But the people you have by your side, they are there forever, especially the person you choose to marry. So you don't choose to marry someone because of a season or you don't choose not to marry someone because you think, oh, well, you know, uh, our paths aren't matching up right now or I can't see how this is going to work because, I don't know, they live there and I live here or they're doing that job and I'm doing it or whatever. It, because those things change. The things about what we do with our life, those things change. But who you are with, that is the one constant through those seasons. So pick your life partner for who they are, not where they are at the time. Okay, parents, let me just quickly say this. Parents, how do you deal with helping your kids choose good friends? Let me say a couple of things. First, pray over your kids' friendships. Don't just leave it to chance. Be intentional about praying good friends into your kids' lives and talk to them about it. Talk to them about what a good friend looks like. Actively be involved in helping them choose good friends by the conversations you've had. You have. I've done that with all of my kids. I'll say to them, so-and-so is a really good friend because, or I'd say the opposite. Do you know what, sweetie? You need to make that person your sometimes friend. That's what I used to say. I used to call them your all-the-time friend or your sometimes friend. And people that I thought that were not good for my kids, I would say they are your sometimes friend because. And I would teach them at a young age to be discerning. Teach them that to have a good friend, they need to be a good friend and show them examples of what manipulation looks like so that they can discern it when it happens to them. So if someone does something to one of your kids, you say, that's called manipulation. Remember, they're doing that to get you to do what they want. You should never manipulate and you shouldn't let yourself be manipulated. And that teaches your kids to be strong and to not go with the flow. It teaches them to be the influencer, not the one who is influenced. Tell them that they're the leader. So be a leader. We always say that to our kids. You guys are the leaders. You are the influencers. So you lead, don't follow. Um, I could say more about that, but we're kind of running out of time. I definitely am going to do some parenting podcasts because I've got a lot of parents that listen that I know ask me, a lot of questions and there's so much that I want to say about it. But um, uh, yeah, I'll leave that at, at that. I just want to move on to the very last uh, question that somebody sent in this week, which I just thought was amazing. In fact, let me just let me just find it. Um, this person is actually in ministry And I had never actually considered this myself before, although I probably have, but unintentionally. Okay, here we go. So this person's asking, um, oh, now I can't find it. 
Okay, basically, I'll just say, they're saying that they're in ministry, this person's in ministry on a team, and they're wondering how much they should be vulnerable with the other staff members. Um, What's the line between being vulnerable with other staff members in a ministry setting as opposed to being professional? So is there a line that you should draw? Is there certain things that you shouldn't say to the people that you work with because you want to remain personal? Great question. Let me say this. There is no other job that I am aware of. Now, I'm not saying it doesn't exist, but there's no other job that I am aware of that actually takes a deeper level of personal vulnerability than ministry does. Okay, so I look at my other job teaching. It definitely took a great deal of compassion. I was super invested in my kids, in my job, in the people I worked with. I was deeply involved in my students' lives, even in their families' lives, but it still didn't take personal, per, the same personal vulnerability that I found ministry takes. So because of that, the depth of relationship that I have with people that I've done ministry alongside goes way deeper than the relationships I've had in my teaching career. Okay. So now I don't think maybe every pastor thinks this way, but I look and I've seen some who maybe treat ministry more like a business than, than a calling. But for those of us who don't, in ministry, we are giving to a level that we don't often give in other jobs. And maybe if you're not in ministry, you won't understand this. But for those of you who are, I know that you're all going to be going, oh yes, amen, that is so true. The reason is, there are things that we get to see in 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 ministry um, as a part of our everyday job where we are deeply, deeply involved in a lot of different areas of people's lives. So we see people at their highest highs and their lowest lows. Okay, we are a part of marrying people. Like I said, that's where I am today. I'm marrying one of my beautiful girls who I've, I've discipled for years. I'm marrying her today. I'm a part of um, being a, a part of one of the most beautiful celebrations of her life today. We also bury people. We are the first people that often that people call when someone has died. I know my best friends last year had to go and be in the house straight after the a family in their church, their son, a teenage son had died and they had to go and be part of that. And the body was still there. You know, all, all probably TMI right there, but all of those kinds of things. We dedicate people's babies. People come and confess things to us. <coughs> Excuse me. They tell us their worst fears, their greatest joys. I can't even begin to tell you the things that I've had the privilege of being involved in with people's lives. I've sat on the front row next to people when they've buried their mother. Um, You know, I've sat in hospital beds while people have gone through treatment. I've, you know, there's just so much that's involved and we're not rocking up to just a career. We're actually knee deep and elbow deep in people's lives. Because of that, the people that we work with, they're not just our colleagues. Like I said before, it's like There's this camaraderie between people who work together in ministry. I liken it to the soldiers fighting in the trenches together. I've always had, and look, maybe this is my answer to your question. You might feel differently. Other people might feel differently. But I've always had a much deeper level of vulnerability and connection with people on teams that I've worked with in ministry. And even now, 
the team that we're building with public and we, we build very slowly because of this, because we don't, you know, we, we need the right people to be in, in and around us. doesn't mean that these people are better than other people. I'm talking, remember I said divine friendships. We are waiting for the right people, the divine people that God brings in as a part of our team. And we're very vulnerable with each other. And that's because we need to protect one another. I would tell them things that um, now it doesn't mean that you tell them everything, but I would still tell them things at a deeper level to what I would ever have told anyone when I was teaching. And the reason is we need to protect one another because of how vulnerable and emotional and how giving our job is. We need to protect one another and hold each other up and have each other's backs and strengthen one another. And we can't do that by holding back and being professional. So I would say, I would encourage you, don't feel like there's some professional line that you have to keep behind. Now, in saying that, it doesn't mean you have to tell everyone on the team everything, but there's definitely a greater vulnerability to the, to the, um, to the colleagues or the friendships that you have on team. So there you go, guys. Uh, I'm just trying to think if there's any other things. I have all these little sayings when it comes to friendships. I'm wondering if I left any of them out, but I'm just looking and I think I've gotten all of them. Yep. But basically, I just wanted to encourage you all that the people you do life with is super important. And if any of you are feeling lonely out there right now, I would encourage you pray and say, God, I'm trusting you to bring friends into my life. And if you're feeling a bit lonely, please don't be discouraged. Please know that God cares about this area of your life like he cares about every area. And I would rather be a bit lonely than have the wrong friends. But I guarantee you, if you pray like I did all those years ago, I look back and God so richly answered my prayer and it didn't happen straight away. But I, you know, it took years upon years and I just thank God for the people he's brought in my life because God loves building with people who build together. So there you go. Have an absolutely fantastic week. And I cannot wait to be back with you next week. See you guys. Make sure you come and find me on social media, girlnextdoor.podcast.